Welcome everyone to a very special episode of Chat Grapple and Cheap Pops podcast. I am Chris Dredd, him of my main man JB, even though he's wearing the uh, Arsenal shirt this week, still got to respect him, still got to acknowledge him, you know what I mean? And to be fair, that was one of the tightest shirts that was ever released, the old bruised banana. That's a banger of a shirt, absolutely. You know banger. what I mean? Yeah. Bangaroonie, bruv. Them, that era for football shirts was just fucking off the heezy. Golden. Bruv. Absolutely golden. golden. But um, yeah, we've got a great guest today. Uh, some may say controversial. This could be possibly one of our most fieriest interviews yet. Who knows? Could be. Could well be. Um, earlier on, I, I had it in my head. He, uh, he courts controversy, you know, willingly or unwillingly, like Sammy Guevara courts women. <laughs> or engagements. <laughs> yeah. Fucking hell. Mate. Uh, this, is, uh, this could be fun. This could be fun. So without further ado, let's crack on with it. I'm Chris Dredd, my main man, JB. This is Chat Grapple and Cheap Pots podcast. And here is our amazing guest. Welcome, everyone, to this very special episode of Chat Grapple and Cheap Pops podcast. I am Chris Dredd, here with my main man, JB, and we have got a very, very special guest on today. He is possibly one of the most controversial figures in, in wrestling podcasts, I would say. He's a fucking fellow Brit. Um, we love him. You might know him from the Wrestling Informer on Keeping It 100. Um, also, you might know him from LockBetting.com. And also, if you're as old as we are, you might remember him from Big Brother. He is our man, Billy Barty. Thanks for joining us, Bill, man. No problems. No worries, guys. Thanks for having me. All good, mate. I mean, you you are... I, I, I think it's fair to say um, you don't really care about upsetting people in the wrestling um podcast dirt sheet kind of realm if anything you kind of revel in it a little bit would would, would that be uh correct to say you kind of enjoy pissing them off a bit yeah and to be honest i, I don't have any real criticism from people that I, I wouldn't let's say i wouldn't have real criticism of people that try to do this as their as their main job and if they have to shut up and sort of toe the line a little bit like i i understand that for me there's more creative freedom because this is not my main source of income. My main source of income comes from doing the, doing the work at Lockbane and the sports gambling podcast, whatever. Um, a few years ago, about five years ago, the idea was to, was to be 50-50 wrestling and 50-50 in the sports betting. But obviously, I learned quickly that this was moving down a social justice route. Um, I had my Twitter cancelled for an opinion that I gave out. Um, that was largely down to the, the rallying of Ryan Satin and a few other of these guys. And then that's when it sort of became a vendetta. Like, I had no issues at that point in terms of people wanting to steer their content in a direction where they would be in, in line with the WWE, on their right side of WWE, WWE with quite interviews and whatnot. But when I started out and um, we started to get that via Sports Keeda, I was running the Dirty Sheets podcast on the side, but also working as a journalist for Sports Keys, Sports Keeda for my news. And I just found the interviews are absolutely pointless. Everybody's giving you generic, generic answers and whatnot. So yeah, it's all good being on the media row, and it's all good that if you know you get to talk to Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, and whoever. But if they don't say shit to you, like what's the point of the content? It says it doesn't mean anything. I, I'm having to sit on stories about. Um, Rusev, wanted, Rusev and Lana wanting to leave WWE, this is back in 2017 and we're being asked to take this story down and take that story down if we want to be in the WWE media circle 
but a WWE media circle doesn't mean shit. It's just this status thing. And for me, it was better to have a status where, oh, he's the guy that just says what he likes and he's the guy that's not one of these guys. And obviously, I was on, on, on top of seeing where the business was going, where we'd have less and less controversial content and more and more, more and more where these, these talking heads, these, these dirt sheet writers are kind of steering where the content goes. I find at the moment this audience um, have become puppets, just like, just like everybody became puppets a couple of years ago and just, um, just you know, just, just lined up for their vaccines. Uh, we have now all these, these we've, had, we've got these puppets in, in wrestling where they'll turn around and say, this is a five-star match, and they'll start quoting that this is a five-star match and use it while a wrestler's better. They'll turn around and say, oh, we want this New Japan AEW pay-per-view, and all of these idiots will think they want it when deep, deep down, if they start to engage their brain and ask their own and have their real own opinions, they'll probably realise that they didn't enjoy that that much. I haven't seen it personally, but I know the build-up was shit, and I'm not expecting too much more from the pay-per-view. And my main issue with these dirty rides is the fact that they have an opinion of what they like, and suddenly it's become more of opinion, more more echoed by by people. And I don't think that that's genuine. I think people have just sort of stopped thinking for themselves, and now their opinions are being guided by by other people. Opinions should never be guided by other people. Opinions are are supposed to be your own. Like if you agree with them, fine. If you don't. Then, then let's speak out. Like, let's not start telling people that this is great and that's great. And I think that that's my main issue with with the, with all of these dirt sheets and the other guys that do this in terms of that they're geeks and they're like, they're, all right. So there's geeks and there's geeks. Like, I'm a geek because I'm sitting here behind a bunch of autograph classic superstars, right? But but I but but I'm a geek for the people that I enjoyed wrestling. Like, you're not you're not seeing any. Kenny Omega signatures behind me or, or Young Bucks or anything like that because I couldn't give a shit about these people and I couldn't give a shit about all of the Japanese wrestlers that walked out in AEW. I gave a shit about people that entertain me greatly. So I have no issue engaging that geek side to try and get those autographs or wanting to meet with those people or say that I've seen, uh, you know, Flair, Hogan, Ted DiBiase, Jake Roberts, whatever. But it's like... What, what we're doing what, what we're doing at the moment is it's it's not more so about being a geek because I think that's um I have no issue with the term geek but I do I do feel that we have marks at the moment who are just who are dictating to you what you should and shouldn't like and too many people are piggybacking off it without really thinking do I really want to see Suzuki Chinchong wrestle for wrestle on the AEW pay-per-view this week do i really want to see this guy coming in from japan do i really want to see that guy coming in from japan and i think a lot less people did than than than, than they made out but you know i, I think been a long i think a long-winded answer to a question i don't even think you asked me by the way so it's all good but, bruv no it's nice yeah. because that's that's what we do just let people go because and and this is exactly the fucking reason why we just want to let you go as well because it's you do have opinions and you're not worried about saying them to people because you're not worried like you say you've got no vested interest you don't want to be in the fucking circle jerk of like AEW yeah. or WWE you've got no vested interest in doing that like you don't need to um yeah my, my, my thing is this my thing is this is really really simple like so just a nutshell of my point of of why I even bother to do is because as 95% of my income comes in from the from lockdown um, that 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 was something that I primarily focused on 
after you know every the shit hit the fan with wrestling and I, I had the falling out with sports Keter and I lost my Twitter account. My biggest regret was is like why did I not go for the gambling audience with this with this? I had a verified Twitter obviously on the back of Big Brother, so I was like why did I go 50-50? Why did I not go all in on gambling? There's a shit ton of money on there. On my on my Patreon, for example, it's $5 for wrestling news. It's $125 for, for betting picks, right? So by, by that logic, I guess you would need um, 20, 28, 28 wrestling fans to pay out the same amount of money as, um, as a betting client, for example. So in that sense, after after Patreon's had a deduction. So in that sense, it doesn't make any sense to go 50-50. But the reason why I keep doing it is because of the reason that was is because I, I, had this, I had this issue with the dirt sheet riots and I have an issue with the fact that they're influencing you. So I do news because I have easy access to the news. Um, my agency, when I left Big Brother, was the same agency that worked with the WWE. I maintain friends from there. Uh, and as I always say, like, the way you get news... I, I don't understand how Dave Meltzer gets news. I don't think he does. I don't understand how Saturn does. I don't understand how SAP does because the way the world works is that I scratch your back, you scratch mine. Like I've done favors for these people in terms of um, getting their betting account. People in WWE or, or people that work in WWE marketing, I've helped them get their betting accounts set up through being able to have more betting options with, with guys I know through the Sports Gambling Podcast. Um, I've been able to organize things for them to do when they come into the UK through like friendships that I've made. Certain wrestlers will call me and say, oh, can you sort us out this? Can you sort us out that? Um, I've been able to, um, I've, I've obviously worked, I've worked with the WWE and IPW after I came out of the, after it came out of Big Brother, I had a relationship with WWE through there. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's just a case of, and also like even other things, like when I was involved in the porn industry, uh, there'll be guys contacting me and going, oh, can we come on? Can you sort us out? Can we come and stand on a porn set? Can we watch porn or whatever? So it, these are just examples. But over the years, there's been tons of stuff that I've been involved in, which has crossed over with, with WWE. So it's it's a thing where favours equal favours, right? And friendship and, and my friendships are are genuine. They're genuine. When WWE come over it, I will, I, will, I will hang out with not only wrestlers, but marketing people and and guys that are involved in all sorts of jobs. I don't understand what other people's links are. And without those genuine friendships, I don't think there's real access to news. So what I do with that news is I use it as a hook to get people in to, to listen to what else I have to say. Because if I'm just a guy turning around and going, Sean Ross Sapp sucks and Meltzer sucks and New Japan sucks and all that, there's loads of podcasts doing that. But the thing is, is that if I have news that, that comes to fruition, which it does over 90% of the time, then that's that's the way people start listening to you. And off the back of that, you can then turn around and go, don't let these guys influence you. Don't listen to them. Don't turn around and say you want more women's wrestling. Don't pretend that you're offended by this. Don't pretend that you're offended by that. And I think we're getting somewhere when we heard the pop that Vince McMahon got for for sleeping around and, 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 and paying off that woman. And he got a genuine pop. I thought, yes, fucking hell. Like we, the, there are still more, there are still people like me around who want this product to be good again who want to cut the you know who want to take the, the the shackles off and let wwe or wrestling be what it's supposed to be which is just like ridiculous carny bullshit which is like you know which is why why is conor mcgregor and um, and logan paul and jake paul doing wrestling better than wrestling why do their press conferences sell fights better than we sell wrestlemania it makes no fucking yeah. sense like we yeah. wrestling did it first 
Like, let's go back to doing it, like, properly. Like, don't be influenced by these, by these like, pussies that want five-star matches um, bet between guys that nobody cares about that can't even be bothered to go to a fucking gym. Like, why? We don't need to see that. Like, that, that means nothing to anybody. Bro, I, so, yeah. I, I literally hitting the fucking nail on the head at every point. But also, I wanted to touch on the way that you broke down rating matches because that is something that is fucking interesting, dude. The way that you break down what is, uh, you know, where you do it with like, you know, out of 10, out of 10, out of 10. Oh, that, oh yeah, that we, the system we come up with. Yeah, 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 dude. That's really fucking interesting, man, because although you can disagree on certain parts of it or give slightly higher or slightly lower you can still come to the fact of yeah we both thought it was a 4.5 star match you know because you might have rated it 42 or something you know and i've rated it like fucking i don't know 47 or whatever you know but we can kind of agree that it's, it's really could you break it down just like the 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 the, the sections yeah it was the the, the the thing that we put into it was that you know there's a lot of matches that, that happen with these uh, you know, Omega versus this guy, Omega versus that guy, but th there's nothing going into it. And, and I don't think there was any marking ever for the build or the story that goes into the match because that, because it's a snowball effect where the build will have a reflection on the, on the storytelling in the match and the storytelling in the match and the build also will have a effect on the, on the crowd response. So if you haven't done anything going in, if you just, if you're just throwing out this guy versus this guy on, on dynamite, like they do. Yeah. I, for me straight away, like the, the rating has to go down because the anticipation isn't there. The crowd are not going to be engaged. The story you're going to tell doesn't make any sense. Like, so I'll give you an example of what would work. Like if like of, of my system, you would, if you, you would get a 10, you know, you'd get close to a 10. If, um, if the storyline had got really, really personal and then somebody had come in and maybe broke somebody's arm in the build-up, and then the guy was still going to work the match. Let's say that Cody injury on the chest, right? That obviously yeah. added to the match. But let's say Rollins had done that, where he'd broken his arm instead, and then he worked the arm in a match. Immediately, the work in the match goes higher because the story was told well going into it, and then you have something to do. And then people would be, like, cringing because, you know, the, the arm was injured or they can see that Cody's pet was injured, which did work which is, you know, I agreed with Melsa giving that five stars, but obviously um, it was massively helped by the reality aspect of it. So straight away, like, that that would be a higher mark because the story's there. Um, then I obviously would look at where the match takes place. Um, just, just you know, it's not a case of putting it in the Tokyo Dome. I think immediately, if you're working a, a WrestleMania match that has a big WrestleMania story, you should immediately be elevated into a higher echelon. Like, you should be taking into consideration that, these guys worked a good match on Raw and these guys worked a good match at WrestleMania and delivered in front of 70,000, 80,000 people. There's no grading for that as far as Meltzer's star system is concerned. No. So that, that's, that's why we came up with, with everything that, that we did for the way that we're going to look at these five different elements that, that go into getting it to five stars and, and why it did. Because when he just throws out, he just throws out a star rating with no definitional reasoning behind well, well how did you get there it's kind of it's, it's so basic like my son just had a an exam a sats exam sats which i have in year six before they go to secondary school yeah my and, son had the same and there's um on, on a maths question there's three marks and the answer is only worth one the other two marks are how you got there so 
with with the with the character, you know, with the multiplication carried a carried a number, and you got to draw it out into levels, you know, with long multiplication, etc. Probably boring yeah. people now, but the point <laughs> is, is that they explain how the, the kids, the children, have to explain how did you get that answer. Yeah. Whereas Dave Mills is not held to any kind of um, any kind of like any kind of uh, reasoning behind how he got to five and a half, six, six, even even breaking his own scale. Like how, like when he started to give six or seven. That's when that system lost all credibility, and and that's why we, you know, we started to do our own. Well, I mean, he started throwing out them them higher stars because he was deep throating all the people that he wanted to right. get in with, and that's like you say, that circle jerk of fucking Uncle Dave just literally trying to. Because the thing with with Dave Meltzer is he was like instrumental really in the start of AEW so he kind of sees himself as being like a co-creator of AEW in a way where he right. was like oh no you know you can't do this you can't really just start a wrestling company blah 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 and then boom it happens or whatever um but yeah I mean do, so, it, let, let me ask you guys a question though when, when, when you when, I, when you when you say that he did create that and then he created you know by by he elevated those guys with the with the star system or at least to that 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 you know that core audience that are into AEW. Yeah. But the fact is, from you in your guys' eyes, or if you're looking at the eyes of a casual fan, according to Meltzer, every Kenny match, like Kenny Omega, absolutely bosses Brock Lesnar in Star Reigns. He's no Brock Lesnar doesn't belong in the same breath as Kenny Omega as far as <laughs> wrestling matches go, according to Meltzer. Yeah. But and you look at it through your eyes and you look at it through the eyes of like a casual fan watching on television, what match is going to entertain you more? Like watching, watching Lesnar go out there even for 10 minutes or Kenny doing 45. No, I, I, I would, I, I would happily watch Brock squash the fuck out of someone. Um, then, cause I mean, we've said on this show before, I'm not a huge fan of um, Kenny Omega anyway. Um, but you know, it, it, it is, it's right. It, it's just because he's trying to melt is using the platform he has to elevate AEW to a point way beyond what it is um, to kind of pander to that core. It, audience it will never leave have. that vacuum. It will just, yeah, that's right. That it's vacuum, vacuum. Is, is very yeah. tight. It's very, it will stay that way. And, you know, and as to your point on, you know, Brock Lesnar thing, I'm much, you know, we, you know, we were brought up in the nineties, you know, we, we expected to see these big guys doing these, you know, these superhuman sort of physiques and all that. I know like, you know, those physiques were probably modified. Somewhat, but give a fuck. But, this is my yeah, point as well, man. Yeah, like, I fucking give me steroids in wrestling. I don't give a fuck what they want to do. Like if people want to juice themselves up, they're going to do it either way, bro. Like the most, there's a really interesting documentary and it's called, um, Bigger, stronger, faster, the yeah. side effects of being American. And it was written by the um, one of the Bell brothers. And he's basically saying that the majority of people that use steroids in America are just your general gym rats. Like, you know, the rest in the wrestling business, you've always had the big guys and they're going to take steroids. It's a fucking, it's not a, it, you know, the whole thing about AEW going for the whole are rankings and it's a sport and that bro Sports it's not a fucking field, sport yes. like give me juiced up dickheads man all day long here's the here's the difference there's there's, there's no way that, that certain actors are going from part to part where i think there was one where oh god i can't i can't remember who it was that had to get i think it I think it was the guy that played Batman. I think it was Christian Bale. Christian Bale, yeah. Have been, yeah. He had to get yeah. really fat 
and then really toned up again for for two different parts. But um, the, the point the point is is that it's okay for for Hollywood, and I don't see why WWE are, are held to a different standard because at the end of the day, uh, this this is still this is still acting and performance. So, yeah. and and your physique is key. And the, and the other thing is is that through the deaths that were experienced in the in the eight or as a result of what happened in the eighties, that most of the deaths occurred in the nineties. Yeah. But through the through the steroid deaths. And it wasn't just in WWE, it was in bodybuilding and just much, much, much less published deaths. A lot of people dying in their 40s and whatnot. But we know now what doses to take. And also, there's also um, things to take or run, run alongside it in terms of post-cycle therapy and, um, and things that you take to protect your liver alongside any steroid cycle. Plus, much safer steroids where, you know, you need to pay a lot more for the likes of an Anvar than you would. I mean, at the time, I don't know exactly what I wasn't taking steroids in the in the eighties or, or or really haven't ever done. But the fact is, is that you know back then it would have been a lot of like Deca, which is like a really strong like building like a bit of bulking steroid. And you can see that the guys weren't particularly toned in the eighties, but they were just fucking huge, massive. Which yeah, means that, which means they were using a steroid that was making their muscles full of water. So, which, which is what DECA does. It stores a lot of liquid in, in the muscles. So the point is, is that we now know a lot more about it. Nobody is dying from steroids now, as long yeah. as if, if they're done properly. If you, yeah. if you stick to the right dosage, if you cycle on, cycle off, if you do post-cycle therapy, if you take milk thistle, if you protect your liver and everything like that, protect your heart, no one's dying from steroids now. The, the, like, The Rock's not dying from steroids. Look, The Rock looks ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Captain America looks ridiculous. Like, everybody in these movies look ridiculous. They all have enhanced physique because there are millions and millions and millions of pounds on the line. These, these Hollywood movies can cost up to £100 million, like $100 million even. So <laughs> there's no way anybody's coming out there taking a risk and turning around and saying, oh, yeah, well, you know, I tried to, I tried to work out and I tried to diet the best I can. But, and this is what I've ended up with. Like, there's not, I mean, I think the worst one was the, the bees example I could think of where a movie actually be, actually had to be delayed because Robert Pattinson wasn't working out properly for Batman. Like he, he just wasn't, he, he just wasn't doing everything that the personal trainer wanted him to do. And that was well publicized at the time. But yeah, I mean, these guys are PTs, dietitians, and they have steroids. And WWE should have PT, dietitians, and they should be doing, they, they should be doing steroids if they want to, look the part and they should be doing it safely if it's managed by the actual doctor that's there um then then i don't really see what the issue is well it's actually interesting as well because it's also becoming known that people that do take steroids they're able to actually recuperate from injuries and from workouts a lot quicker and there's a, a lot of wrestlers now, especially in AEW, that are actually injured and they're injuring themselves like quite badly, quite regularly. And um, I mean, I'm not saying that, oh, stop yourself getting injured, fucking juice yourself up. But it's just it just seems really weird because it is a well-known thing that, you know, the, the guys that are on steroids, they can re- recoup a lot quicker. Right. Yeah, that was that was the whole Hogan defence in, in 94, where he turned around and said he'd used it for a couple of injuries and that yeah. kind of off the whole steroid trial but yeah i mean it it, it is it's never going to happen it's never going to be a case where they're accepted as um a form of entertainment but at the same time i don't think that you know there's any need for the the stringent drug testing there is no micros- microscope on them on, on that aspect i mean weed 
weed when weed was legalized, the WWE stopped testing for it. Um, I know 90% of the roster are, are, are smoking marijuana again. So, I mean, it's, yeah. it's just, a, it's just, a, it's just the process. Like, and even, even with, um, even with Coke, like Coke, Coke's not in your system 48 hours later. So if they want to do Coke, they can do Coke too. Um, it's just, it's just steroids remains the last, the last kind of hurdle um, stopping us. But in WWE's defense, with, without steroids, they do have like far, far better physiques. When I mean, you're looking at physiques there that that look steroid enhanced, but but, but they aren't. You've got nat- you've just got a very, uh, a very big selection of natural athletes that manage to hold that, hold on to that body type. I mean, you can tell Drew McIntyre's not a steroid guy because there are times where you will catch, you know, little bits of, um, you know, just tiny bits of. Um, not not flab necessarily, but like you know, there's 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 days where he'll have a little bit more extra skin, which shows that that's just a very very good natural physique. Whereas Matt Riddle, who's a real athlete who's come from UFC, as does no steroids and has pretty much like under five percent body fat. Um, Orton's managed to retain like a great physique throughout his career with probably only using steroids from injury cycles because he's had injuries and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, what. Still, without them, they have, they have much better physiques than AEW. But looking at looking at AEW, they could really benefit from the fact that if they they could use steroids again, because they they don't have great physiques there anyway, and they're not a publicly traded company where the backlash wouldn't even be anywhere near significant for them. So I don't understand your whole thing's supposed to be let's do what WWE can't do, but instead let, they've decided to go down the route of let's be what WWE would never even want to be. Yeah. Which catering to this fact, and the other, and the thing is, is that I I don't know this for a fact, but I would guess. In fact, let's not say a hundred percent. I was about to say every AEW fan, but let's say ninety percent of AEW fans, ninety percent of the people that watched Dynamite last night already watch Raw, and they already watch SmackDown. So they may be a a disgruntled WWE audience that wanted an alternative. But do you actually really think that they ever left WWE? You do you really think they don't keep an eye on what's going on in WWE? Because WWE was the originator, like was was the whole reason why we're all here. So there's no way they're going to stop watching and stop following storylines and whatnot, just in case it does become good again and whatnot. But as I said, like it's stupid because the reason they stopped watching WWE was to have an alternative, and what they've got is something that gives them even longer matches for less reason, which is actually worse than WWE. So it's not and a lot, and a lot of WWE guys. Exactly, yeah. yeah. A lot of WWE guys, which, yeah, they may have complained about them being underutilised and whatnot, and this guy deserves a push, this guy deserves a push. I mean, Cesaro being a big one, and he came in. So how do you push Cesaro? How do you push Cesaro any bigger or better than you push Keith Lee? Like, how can you do it? When you've got... Like, there's only so many people that can win yeah. because if, if for people to win, people need to lose. You can't all win. You can pad out these these records with these bullshit wins on, on AEW Dark and whatnot. But eventually, names have got to wrestle names and you've got to make decisions. This business ain't as easy as just, oh, everybody's, everybody's Bill Goldberg. That's not how it works at all. So if you want... Keith Lee to be big, cool, he's got to beat Cesaro. If you want Cesaro to be the man that you've been pulling for for years, good, he's got to go through Keith Lee, or he's got to go through Moxley, or he's got to go through all of these other indie darlings that, or these 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 Mark darlings that they said needed a bigger push. 
you know, they say like Finn Balor's used badly. All right, let's say Finn Balor goes to AEW. Who's he going to beat? Does he have to beat all the guys that you want to win all the time? It's just, doesn't make any sense. No, I mean it, it. It is fucking crazy because we. This is exactly what we spoke about on our show, isn't it, Jordan? For fucking months and months. I mean, Too we long. when AEW started. I mean, me and Jordan are huge WCW fucking fans. We watched a lot and reviewed a lot of the shows. So when you when you've got AEW coming through, and you're like, okay, Cody Rhodes. Yeah, you know, you've got that kind of. Maybe you know, maybe it's going to be kind of a bit of a challenger to WWE. But as time's gone on, I mean, it's just becoming ridiculous. I mean, the one guy that was really and yeah, CM Punk was a draw when he came back after all those years. Fucking the roof popped off. It was in Chicago, but you know, it it went off. But the one guy that was able to work an amazing program with him was MJF. And MJF has been elevating whoever he's worked with. People love Wardlow like they love Wardlow now because of MJF, because of the whole series before it. You know, even the stuff he was doing with Cody, the stuff he was doing for years. So I I know you're the man for news, bro. And I know you've spoken about MJF, but dude, I need to know what the fuck is going on with him because he is now, even, even last week, he was able to have an argument with someone at an airport that got him onto like American TV. Um, the guy, everything he touches is fucking gold because he's living that kayfabe kind of character lifestyle. So what can you tell us about MJF? What's happening at the minute, man? If you, if you can, that'd be amazing. Yeah, it's, it's just what I, I, I reported. And, and as I'm not on the payroll, I'm not on Tony Khan's payroll. I just reported it genuinely where, where people, People are reporting this like there's any confusion there at all. It's just very, very simple. They tried to work their audience. Um, they tried to say that MJF wasn't there that weekend. They tried to say that he tried to fly home. They tried to say he didn't turn up to an autograph signing. All of this was predetermined during negotiations between Tony Khan and MJF for the things that MJF wanted um, to sign an extension. Now, the extension hasn't been signed. But what, or hasn't even been, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't ever an option there to to sign an extension because MJF wasn't going to. What MJF wanted to to even consider that was to um, was to have some creative control and be paid properly for the remainder of his contract till 2024, um, which to, to where he fits in. Because at the point where negotiations opened up or where he became disgruntled was because loads of people jumped ahead of him on the pay scale, Christian. Sting, uh, Alistair Black, yeah. Keith Lee. These are all guys that shouldn't be paid the same or more than MJF, but they were. Jeff Hardy being another. So MJF's pay was elevated, not above all of the people that I just mentioned, but into a, into a middle where he sits behind Punk, Moxley, and Daniel uh, Daniel Bryan, uh, Bryan Danielson. So I and heard, he even... Oh, sorry, I heard Nyla Rose is actually getting paid more than MJF was. No, I don't know why where that one came out. Nyla Rose, Nyla Rose is not paid seven figures. Right. Nyla Rose, Nyla Rose is not one of the seven figure people. There, there are some strange people that do get seven figures or just below that, like um like Dax and Harwood, um, Mark Henry and um the big show, like they're all just slightly behind um oh, getting a million, but they're not they're not in the million bracket, but there are a lot of people in there. Like the Young Bucks, Christian, uh, Alistair Black, or, or um, Malachi. Malachi, Bucks. yeah, yeah, uh, Stink. Like, yeah, there, there is there is a lot of people that, that do get 
over a million. But um, but yeah, they're, they they're, they're not one of them. Um, or she's not one of them. He's not one of them. Whatever. Neither Rose is. But um, but yeah, um, MJ, MJF is now is now getting paid more so what he wants. Um, he wants to do this this angle this with with creative control. And um, yeah, they want they want to see where they're at at the end of it. So in three four months time, they may enter negotiations to extend beyond 2024. But at the moment, they're doing this MJF storyline as proposed by MJF. They're doing what MJF wants to do. Um, they're trying to make it look as real as possible. Uh, Meltzer, Sap, all these people that I believe are paid by AEW are just going along with it. But the real story is, it's just a storyline. Um, it's a storyline that they want to make look real. I feel the the drawback of that is that in this modern day, um, when you've got a hot story and you take it off television for a month because yep. you need to do Japan pay-per-view, you kind, of lose, <sighs> you kind of lose momentum. Because yep. the problem with doing the real storyline is when he comes back, you can't then recap what he said. You're trying to make it so real that um, the commentators didn't talk about it after it happened. And then when he does come back, you can't recap it. So how do you how do you bring MGF back at this point? At the moment, you're trying to make it look like he's been removed from everything, that he's suspended or whatever. Eventually, at some point, this is going to be have to turn into wrestling. Eventually, this turns into wrestling matches. Eventually, this turns to him you know, buying a ticket, sitting in the crowd, getting involved in matches, doing whatever. Eventually, the pro wrestling stuff starts. And then, you know, all of that, all of this intrigue that you're trying to build, you're trying to make it look as real as possible. But that has a shelf life because we're in the smart, we're in the smart mark era. Like it doesn't, there's no way that you can fool anybody long term. And the, the damage that it does, um, not, that, not that there can be any more damage to Meltzer's credibility, but how does Meltzer and Satin and Sap and all these guys explain their way out of it? The obvious thing is going to be that it was real at one point, but at some point um, they negotiated with MJF and decided to turn it, in, turn it into a story. That's bullshit. It's been a story since the, the so-called walkout, since the autograph signing, which he didn't attend. So that uh, was since- that they, they decided to actually knob off their own fans that had paid hundreds of dollars to go and see him. And they decided it was a smart idea to fucking knob them off and make them angry. Is that what you're saying? Well, the anger, the anger creates the reality element of it, which the act, I mean, that what you just said is exactly what they used to create a doubt because people that's doing that is what made it look real and what they yeah. felt like they needed to do. They yeah. felt like that, 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 that was the necessary in order to, add the reality element element to it. But in reality, you know, these people were refunded their full money sure. uh, and were allowed to um, meet, have a choice to meet somebody else for free. I imagine most of them chose Sting, but uh, with these fans, they might have chose Orange Rick Cassidy. Baker, yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, but yeah, I mean, they, 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 were, they were compensated, which... Um, you know, which didn't which didn't get out enough to AW's like you should be credited for that. But at the same time, I don't think anybody can genuinely make the claim that's as good as he is that they flew out to this pay per view to meet MJF. Like these the this fan base did not fly out to meet MJF. This fan base buy tickets to anything that says AW on it. But that's to their credit, right? But in order to run a viable business, you need three million of those not 500,000 of those, right? Yeah. You need 3 million of those. And, and the issue that I have with it is that you are selling out these buildings anyway. Your, your, rating, your, your rating on Dynamite was, was you know, 900,000 anyway. By 
Moxley was there when when during the during when this was happening anyway. I can understand that siding. But by adding um <coughs> Alistair Black, Rusev, Daniel Bryan, Adam Cole, all of these people that you put on million dollar contracts, CM Punk on a five million dollar deal, um, by by adding all of these people and not increasing your number, you're wasting money. Like if I if I if, if I start you know, if I if I have my company Lock Bang and I start, you know, and I'm making whatever I make on Lock Bang, right? Let's, you know, let, let's let's say I make a certain amount and I start spending, you know, five, five, six grand a month on advertising, which brings in no new customers, right? How is that how is that good business? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Every penny that you spend on your business needs to needs to equate to growth yeah. like every investment needs to equate it to growth what we've got is a is a is a daddy's boy who's still playing with his action figures and the, and the action figures are human beings which is what they are he's he's adding the, these action figures to his collection every single week like you, you're spending this much on keith lee and this much on buddy murphy and and all of these guys that are coming i'm still using their wwe names i know but they're all coming in from WWE, but they don't add anything to it. You increased your wage bill by $45 million and didn't add a single viewer to Dynamite. In fact, you're going down. So I don't understand how he's a booker of the year. I don't understand how he's a businessman. I don't understand the model. Like, I don't understand. I understand all of the reasons why you want to bring all of these people in, right? To, to, make, the, to make the product better. But at some point, it's got to equate to the other thing. It's got to equate to like adding numbers to it, and it doesn't. So you, you, I can understand if five or six people, where you turn around and go, okay, we've got nine hundred thousand people. We want to keep nine hundred thousand people. We want to keep our current customers happy. We want to like, we want to sign a few guys to keep the storylines fresh, but it's excessive, like to the point where, you know, it, they've got about. I would say they've made. 15 signings more than they than 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 made any business sense so that's that's where that's where we're at we got we got one company that's a business and we got one company that's clearly not a business because because by definition it can't be described as a business because businesses businesses don't do that businesses, businesses make money they're supposed to make money they're supposed they're, not all businesses make money but the idea is that they they at least they're supposed to be trying to make money yeah they, they, People aren't even trying to, he's not even trying to make money because there, there is a way to book this show with all of this talent to actually make money. But like, it's not, it's not being done. Like they're just trying to, you know, get, get the approval of an audience that you, that you already have on a weekly basis. I, I tell you what, like you could, what you could do Brian Patty matches next month, next week on, on Dynamite. And this, this audience wouldn't go. There are, there are, there are 700,000 people there that will never, ever go. The fact that they've sat through this shit for the last for the last month tells as much as it's been bad and as much as it's been the wrong thing to do, what I would do is if I was him, I would look at it and say, but me and him don't think the same because he actually likes this Japanese stuff. But for me, as if if I was not Tony Khan, but Nick Khan, an outsider coming in some WWE, I would look at it and go, this is the worst thing that we can do. This is the thing that we can do that isolates our casual audience as much as we possibly can. And we still did 700,000. So we have 700,000 people here that are never, ever, ever going to leave. 
we could put CM Punk on a toilet for two hours and 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 show him like they're gonna shit and they're still gonna watch. So there's that's the only positive that you can take out of it. I mean, what 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 are your thoughts on uh, the amount? Because talking about him spending money and not getting any return for it, me and Jordan have been absolutely fucking baffled at why Tony Khan paid forty odd million dollars for Ring of Honor. Like what what that was for? Like that doesn't seem to really because again, that the, that seven hundred and fifty thousand people were probably everyone that watched fucking Ring of Honor. Well. <laughs> It's like this. It's like when there, there is some guys who do feel that there's no point going into a strip club because you're only going to get teased out of it. Do you know, like there's a lot of guys that turn around and go, oh, you know, like for, for five, for five, what you paid for five dancers, you could have got a shag for that. You could have got, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you you did, yeah, probably, yeah. You've obviously heard people talk this way about why they don't go to, to strip clubs. At least, you know, I, I've heard it in my circles. Where, where certain guys don't want to go to strip clubs or whatever. So that, that for me, is similar to what this is. Whereas we're looking at it in terms of this, some guys won't want to waste money in a strip club. He has the money to waste. He's the type of guy that he could go to a strip club and he could buy 10 bottles and have, and have every girl dance for him in the club. But it doesn't make any difference to the bottom line because he has so much money for him to go in that. It's like me and you going down to going down to the shops, buying a packet of crisps that are stale and throwing them in the bin because, like, because you know they, they you didn't check the sell by date on the bag of crisps and you have to throw that you have to waste that seventy p right. For him, it's get getting spending his money, getting Keith Lee in is like spending seventy p. He's got that much money, or him and between him and his dad, it's hard. I, I don't need to come on here and, and explain. What what seven billion dollars looks like and yeah. what it, and what it can get you, yeah. but the fact is is that if this company spends a uh, hundred million or lose a hundred million dollars a year, it doesn't mean shit. It's it, for me for for him. It's like us going out and paying a lot of money for a for a meal, like for for having a high priced meal at a restaurant. It means absolutely nothing. This is a guy living his best life. This is a guy living out his dream. This is a guy who who has gone on other shows and said, in fact, I work with Conan and Conan is, and he's had, he's had conversations with Conan, private conversations that perhaps, you know, I should be talking about here, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's anything to be necessarily ashamed of because I think we've all done it. I've sat in certain lessons at school and tried to book WWE, right. In the, you know, chemistry science chemistry lessons and science like i'd sit there and try and book wwe back in the attitude era he's done the same thing like he's but he the difference is that he's shown conan and he's shown people that how he that how he tried to be a booker when he was when he was younger so for us if we had 11 billion uh, sorry seven billion dollars um and try and bought a wrestling company we'd book it differently to this and somebody would be turning around and going Oh, you know, you for, to me they'd be turning around and going, "Oh, you know, you've got why did you bring Bram Panties matches back, or what? You know, why have you got the women doing this, or why have you got the, why are you doing this, or why are you doing that?" Like wrestling's moved forward since then, and I'd be like, "Yeah, it's my money. I'm bringing it back. Like I'm fucking booking the Attitude Era again. I've hired, I've I've bought Vince Russo out of retirement to book parts of my show. Like I'm, <laughs> I would be getting shit from a different section of the audience where they'd be saying that I'm fucking crazy." 
Whereas we're saying this guy is crazy. But the thing is, is that I know that my wrestling company would draw a, would draw a larger casual audience than his because of the because of the way that I would do things. But he, but at the end of the day, with seven billion dollars, I wouldn't give a fuck if it did anyway. Like he doesn't, because the the sooner this other side of the wrestling bubble, which is us guys, stop looking at it as a business, the quicker it will make sense. I, I I've stopped because I understand what seven billion dollars is. What I don't understand, and this is this is the part that uh, this is where I'm at. I understand that this is a guy. This is a man-child playing with toys, and seven billion dollars means that a hundred million doesn't mean anything. I, so I, I, I'm done with that. Okay. Right. What I don't understand is, is how his Twitter account, how he can go on there, and constantly, constantly tweet about wrestling, as the owner of Fulham Football Club and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Fulham have just come back up from relegation yeah. and haven't signed any significant. It's funny. Players. It's funny you mentioned that. I uh... and, and the Jags. I've, I've constantly had one of the worst records in the NFL. Now, if I'm in their owners and I'm following, and if I'm their fans, sorry, and I'm following my owner mm. and the tweet is 90% wrestling and he's there complain, and he's there trying to explain how they won the Friday Night Wars or whatever, I'd be fucking livid. I'm already, as a Man United fan, I already fucking hate the Glazers, but I think that I would be even more livid because they're not active enough. If I had this psycho Right, running one of my teams and he's on there like being pro wrestling guy that is where it gets to a point where I don't understand how how you can be de- dedicating your time this much to the point of you know, you've got legitimate businesses like massive massive businesses to have an NFL franchise is huge and a it's, Premier League one as well, well a Premier League football right. team now coming up it's, it's insane it's insane to be that dedicated to wrestling too to, to have Fulham playing on, on a Wednesday night, which they will be, especially because we'll be catching up with uh, this season, there'll be a lot more midweek action because of, the, because of the World Cup, right? So he won't be there on a Wednesday. He'll be at Dynamite. He won't even be watching Fulham. He'll be booking Dynamite. Like that, you, you know, there'll be, there'll, there could be a, an AW pay-per-view on the same night as a Jags game. Where the fuck is he going to be? Yeah. He'll be at AW. It's in That is insane. Spend your money, do what you want. Like get, get hoes, Hook, get 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 hookers, lines of coke, you know, do do whatever you want, like with it, like go go nuts, go and fucking go and go and be on Epstein's island. I don't care, but at the end of the day, like he's chosen to to run a wrestling company. That's fine. I do the same. I'd I'd, I'd have the coke and hookers too, but I would yeah. still probably <laughs> have the wrestling company. In fact, I'd have the foot. I I do exactly the same. I'd have the NFL team, the football team, and the wrestling and the wrestling company. I'd do it all, but I would not be prioritizing it at the point where my billion dollar franchises are, are secondary to my hobby like that does that makes absolutely no sense at all um that that's the part I, I i'm you know i'm further than other people where i turn around and i can understand what aw actually is but i cannot understand how you can publicly prioritize it over your billion dollar sports teams no way can i ever or may never understand it's it's really funny, like, and I'm sorry to jump in on this, like, but no, I literally, like, I work for a Premier League club, you know, whatever, and I was speaking to a Fulham fan yesterday, and he literally outlined the whole problem. He said, you know, they got promoted on a forty goal a season striker, whatever, you know, that happened. But he goes. 
they're going to go into this new Premier League season. They're going to probably go down. And all he's all the owner's going to do is just beat his chest about AEW. So he's not going to care a slight about, you know, of course they don't. He doesn't care about what the Jags do. The Jags will just get the first round draft pick and make a few a few bucks off of, you know, shirt sales. That That's what happens in, in the NFL. But, you know, they're probably going to bounce around Premier League Championship for a couple more years before someone either gets bored of it or they start to drop further down the league, the leagues. And like it was a really disenfranchised Fulham fan. And I felt sorry for him because he clearly loves, he clearly loves football and he loved like, he loved talking about Fulham and loved talking about football in well, general like, and everything. But he's just, yeah, he, he was really pained that his, this, this owner of his is clearly not that bothered about it. I, I speak to a lot of Fulham fans. My business, I run, I, I own a shop and it's in West London. So I know a lot of Fulham fans around my way where I am. And a lot of my clients that come in, um, of Fulham fans and one of them was telling me the same similar thing that the focus just like you say they've they've been promoted but a lot of it is that they've done up the ground and they've got these uh, hotels and things that they've built onto the side of the ground and all this kind of thing but they still don't feel that the owner's focused on their club that literally he's, he's spread himself so thin that it, it, you know, it, back then at least he was doing a little bit with the Jags. He was doing like the data analysis of you know the the stuff like that. And this is what this guy was telling me that yeah, you know, he does a bit with the American football team, and he was bringing a lot of the data analysis to Fulham and you know to players, you know how many passes and fucking all this shit. But now, like you say, it is at a point, Billy, where he's he's not going anywhere is he he's not if fulham have got a game midweek or when there's an AEW pay-per-view we know where he's going to be he don't care about the carabao cup <laughs> no of course he don't care about the carabao cup he's going to be there hugging fucking uh you know castignoli and he? he's going to be there yeah. hugging his his wrestling figures which is like you say it, it's funny but it's kind of not because you know it, but if you had a wrestling company billy right you would you wouldn't be spunking your money in the strip club. You'd be wanting to fuck. The same with me. If I had a wrestling company and I was Tony Khan, I wouldn't be, just because I've got the money, I wouldn't be spunking it in the strip club. I'd be wanting to bust my butt, bust my nuts. So it's like he's not even trying to be successful. You know, it's really weird when, like you say, with a few different booking choices, um, with the talent that he does have there, let's not get it twisted. He's got some really good, talented wrestlers in AEW. He's got some good guys behind the scenes, some really good old school guys that know what's going on with booking. And you've got Sting and you've got fucking, you know, everyone backstage. But everyone's just on a jolly, mate. Everyone's just like making loads of money, chucking whatever they want into the booking pool. There's no Sounds like, familiar. Yeah, there's no control. There's no like... Not saying that they need a booking committee, but they do need someone to go, right, hold on. Now, you're not doing that. You know, all f the, the first three matches have had people do that move. You're not doing it. <laughs> you know, we, the, the crowd have seen it a million fucking times. You know, we, we say on this show that if AEW continues to do what it is, there's only, surely there's only a certain amount of money that they're going to say, right, you can't, this this is getting silly now. You We've spunking all this money. And we're not really seeing any expandage of the viewership. We're not seeing more figures getting sold. We're not seeing more T-shirts getting sold. We're not seeing more people eyes on the product. You know, like 
when when does that come to an end, Billy? When do, when does when does his old man go? Nah, fucking come on, mate. We've got to do this. I think what we addressed already. I think it can only come to a head when there's the marches and whatnot that we see at Manchester United with the against the Glazers. You know, the, the pressure to sell. Right. Once the pressure to sell the other franchises comes, and it's become for me at the moment. I don't think that is public knowledge. Um, you know, to I, I don't think it's. You know, you so you said you spoke to a Fulham fan, but I don't think all Fulham fans are aware of what. No, they, probably not. Yeah. You're right. Probably and right. Yeah, I, this is I, a very well informed Fulham fan yeah. who's also a wrestling fan. So obviously yeah. he's going to know. And and I think maybe they know he owns this, but I don't think that enough people know that their owners out on television hugging people and doing press conferences and and you know awkwardly hugging people and cutting these stupid um, promos in dark matches, you know, dark matches after showing ball. I don't think that is known. Like, I think we we think it may, like, you know, maybe, but because we see it. Sure. But I work on, you know, as I said, I work on the sports gambling podcast. I cover the football there. Uh, I know guys, that, the, the guys that cover the NFL. And I sent them videos of Tony Khan uh, when he was, when he went crazy over Giannis. Remember when he was like, going, when he was introducing Giannis? And there was yeah. Up, his feet, uh, yeah. Crazy high voice. <laughs> And I said, uh, look at, and I said, look at this. This is the owner of um, the Jags, and they had no idea. Um, Nuts. He was, he was like, what's he doing there? What's he doing? Why, why is he in the? And they went, why is he in the WWE? I went, that's not the WWE. That's <laughs> that's, the AE, that's the AEW that or something a wrestling company he owns. And they were like, oh, he owns a wrestling company. Was you know, we didn't know that. And wow. So yeah, I mean, and these are guys that live and breathe NFL like properly. You know, live and breathe it. So. I don't feel the cat is out of the bag yet, but I feel that once, you know, at the moment, the glaze at Manchester United, the Gla- every move they make, every investment, every time they take a dividend out of the club, um, it's now we know about it and we protest it. It's taken a long time to get to this point where we're fucking really sick of it. And I feel that we'll get like that with Fulham and it will get like that with the, with the Jags. And I think that will be the point where, you know, AEW is, is seen as, being more of a hassle because you know you find it's a hobby at the moment but the backlash isn't there from the other from the other franchises and i think initially what might happen is that we may see him diverting his time more appropriately but i think once we see it becoming a complete mess or at least not you know something that he sees as fun anymore because it's like oh i can't go i'm not even allowed to go there and play in my wrestler so why am i i'm now wasting money at something i'm not enjoying i'm not like getting to like hug Japanese wrestlers and I'm not getting to like smell, smell Britt Baker's knickers. And yeah, it's like, I'm not going to, you know, I, mean, I, I can't be there. I don't want to do it. You see, I think that will be the, the process. Wow. And okay. So, I mean, Billy, I, I, we spoke before the, the podcast and I said to Jordan, I, there's so much I could talk to you about and ask <laughs> you about like literally, and we know you're a fucking busy dude and you've got loads of shit to do. So we don't want to keep you for, for, you know, all night. Um, so, I mean, it, are you going to be at clash at the castle? Yes. That's the one question. Are you going to be at clash at the castle? Cause we're going to be there. Uh, I've got, let me see. Yeah, I can, I, I, I've got like I've got I got like 10, 15, and then I can do a I can come back on another time if you've got sweet. Because I know we, I know you had I know you asked you had something about IPW one of you or whatever. That whoever was me, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, 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 def, we'll definitely do that before I go, and then we'll and then it, and we'll do the rest of it 
uh, another time. But yeah, I can I can do like another fifteen. Uh, I'll, just text, I'll just text Joe Feeney in a second. But um, yeah, I'm going to Clash of the Castle. Um, that was actually uh, weird because these are these are tickets that I put in for like comps, and the wrestlers are saying that um, yeah, they're only getting two comps each for it, which is standard for pay per view. Um, it's standard for WrestleMania where I, I don't get free WrestleMania tickets. WrestleMania is the only tickets I pay for every year. Um, like house shows, Raw, SmackDowns, SummerSlams even. Uh, I, don't, I don't pay for the tickets. So I'm going to SummerSlam for free. But WrestleMania is the only one I pay for. So when I put in for Clash, they were like, uh, sorry, bro, it's WrestleMania, pro- WrestleMania process. Two tickets only per person. Wow. So, so yeah, so I got my Clash tickets, um, paid for those, and looked, looked around and... Yeah, they're not they're not moving. Inquired about them, they're not moving. Like they they in fact like uh, as as uh, as of the other day, somebody told me they're moving at an average since since the first week they came out. Since then, they've been moving at an average of like 80, 80 to eighty five sales a day, which is not going to set out the building. In fact, it's not even going to get close to forty thousand, based on what they've already sold before. And you're in a big predicament here. You try to uh, you try to overprice it. So because you thought that we wanted it bad and we did, but, you know, we're also being raped for petrol and, and, uh, and gas at the same time. So, yeah. you know, we, we, if there's a choice between, you know, heating your house and getting to work, like you're probably going to make sure that you can continue to survive rather than going to an overpriced pay-per-view. So that's what people have decided to do. Now, the problem is, is I've paid £450 each for my tickets, right? Which is not even expensive. It's like third. It's like third tier pricing. I, I I got, and that's only because my son doesn't like anything on the floor. Um, we've sat row two before, and he didn't like it. So even row, in fact, we sat row one before, and he didn't like looking up at the the apron like during the match. So just yeah. he, he prefers the, um, the 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 right the seat right in the middle. The hard cam is where we get the the free tickets. Usually, he loves the the hard cam seat. So I bought the equivalent to that for the show, and it's £450 each. Now, if they don't sell out the show, and the alternative is, oh, shit, we need to sell it out. We need to do buy one, get one free. We need to start giving away on competitions. We need to put the prices down. What do you then say to the 40 people? Yeah, they've yeah. already paid. Yes, because am I going to turn around and go, you know, do I then turn around and go, fuck you, like, send me... Send me two hundred pound back because my ticket, my four hundred and fifty pound ticket, is now worth two hundred and fifty or, or whatever. Because obviously I can't. I'm going to have no case. But you then disenfranchise your most hardcore fans who who are willing to commit to you first and foremost. And it makes it difficult to run another event because then everybody's going to play the waiting game, which is not what anybody any promoter wants. Every every promoter, if you've ever done an event, you know. I mean, I've done club nights and whatnot, but I know that I want my pre-sales done as quickly as possible because it takes the pressure of me. Because when I worked, when I was doing London club nights, I had to put down a, um, a 10,000 pound deposit um, to, to make sure that, um, and, and only when the bar, the bar spend was 10,000, did you get the 10,000 back? That's how London works. If you want to do an event in London, you've got to give them 10,000 and they give you a 10,000 back once the bar makes 10,000. And that, does, that sounds like, a risk but it's not because the drinks are about 20 pound each so yeah. you get you get to a 10k bar pretty easily mm-hmm. like you only need, you only need about 150 170 people to walk in 
and buy a drink or two and you're okay. Um, so it's not a big risk, but it is for your first time you do it. <coughs> With the WWE, again, they'll have costs associated to this. So what they want is they want to be showing a profit as quickly as they possibly can. What they don't want to do is set a precedent where they come over here, sell 40,000 tickets, struggle to sell the other 30,000, don't want to reconfigure the building to look, you know, tape off all the top seats. They don't want to be moving people that got cheap seats because, again, that pisses people off. Oh, I paid thirty-seven pounds for my ticket, and I'm sit- someone. If someone's sitting next to me and they say, "Oh, um, I have a conversation," strike up a conversation. I show, say you're going to it, and I strike a conversation up with you, and you say, yeah. "Oh, um, what'd you pay for your seat? Oh, four hundred and fifty quid. What'd you pay? Oh, I got moved. I was in the um, I was in the I was in the gods that got closed and got moved down to your seat. I'm pissed off now, anyway. Yeah. So, so many things that they need to consider now as to how they're going to get this sold out. Um, rather than just, you know, closing it off, which is going to involve moving people. It's, it's a real shit show. I mean, I don't, for me, I don't understand why you targeted a £22 million gate from this show. I don't understand why you did it. There was no need. You could have run England every year and made £12 million and you would, have been, you would have been laughing. You would have been put, we would have been making £10 million extra every single year by giving us a pay-per-view mm. but instead you try to get 22 million and you're going to blame us and say that we're not worth bringing a pay-per-view to so i don't know it's, it's, a, it's a it's a it's a weird situation right now it it was massively overpriced i've already said to jordan if there's no one down at the down at ringside i'm blatantly going down there we're going to nick a couple of fucking chairs mate <laughs> we're, we're going straight down to ringside to grab a couple of chairs because i don't think they're going to sell those really expensive seats round the round the sides. Um, those chairs have become really hard to nick lately in the last few years because they're all cable tied together. Oh and they shit! And they don't cut the cable tie anymore until you show your ticket. So it's become a real shit show. Like I've got some from a few shows I've went to lately. As I said, to you, I don't sit in those in those sections. Yeah. So I'll have to just if my sons wanted one, I just had to hand over the cash to people. Um, you who you know sometimes there's a dad who bought his three kids or he's and he's there with like fucking three chairs on his arms and you just know he's looking for any reason to like not take one home because <laughs> I mean it's heavier like you try carrying try carrying two or three like it's not it's not it's not a great experience like especially if you're trying to get it back to a cab or a train station or whatever so yeah so you you um you going to any after parties or anything there? We're going to be out and about. We'll meet you for a pint or something, man. I think you'll more likely catch me on the Friday. Yeah, um, we're there. We're, we're there on the Friday. Friday. Yeah. yeah, we're getting down there early. <clears throat> yeah, you're more likely to catch me on the Friday. Um, as a part, my son's first day at secondary school is on the Monday after that show. So I may be looking just to get out of there as early as possible on Sunday morning, or maybe even going on the Saturday. I've but, I've got to be back for on Sunday on the Sunday because the Monday's a school for the for my boys as well. It's crazy. Yeah, I think what really pissed me off about it is the fixture list came out and Man U are playing Arsenal at Old Trafford on the same day, and that's normally a game that I go to. So <laughs> I I just knew United were going to get a fucking home game right while the show's going on, one that I wanted to watch because there's you know there's two things that I would have gone to, which is Cash in the Castle and Man U Arsenal at Old Trafford. So yeah, that that that's one thing already. But um, but yeah, I'll probably go up there on Thursday night, um, try and hang out with a few people I know, like uh, Drew McIntyre's, Matt Riddles, these guys, 
and um, and yeah, then obviously see some some English people. It's weird. I've said to like there's a lot of like these troll accounts on 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 Twitter, as you spoke and said at the start of the show, where you say there's all oh, these people that don't don't like what you have to say or you cause controversy, whatever. But there's some people that take it too far and like yeah. sort of, sort of like um, call you know they 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 proper call you out like behind their keyboard. So which I've always said that look, I'm gonna be if you're American, I'll be at Nashville for SummerSlam. If you're English, if you're especially that WWE Gareth. The w, that WWE Gareth guy, who's who's a Welsh guy, who's definitely giving me at the show. He gives me shit all the time. And I just said, look, just if you're in Cardiff, just shoot me a DM. Just come and whatever you have to say, just come and say it to me. Come and say it to me face to face. It's, it's very it's very different when you know when they, they they they. I think there's this perception that everybody behind every account looks a certain way and 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 has a certain you know social standing or whatever. It's like well, if you're gonna if you're gonna like talk shit to me, like and and, and I'm gonna and I'll turn around and go like if you're gonna talk shit, you need to be able to. I, I feel that like a lot of these guys have never been punched or had any kind of confrontation with, with people ever. Like, yeah, fact, the back, they're pussy holes. A lot of right, them are pussy holes. Yeah, and that's the thing. Off the back of me doing Big Brother, it's different because you know when I went on there, I went in there as a as a, I was, you know, I'm six foot one, but I was an 11 stone, six foot one, 11 stone model. So I looked as skinny as, 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 as a rake when I did the show. Very quickly, one of the main reasons I, I, I put weight on was because I wasn't going to model anymore. And, and, and also because every nightclub I was going to, every appearance I was doing, there were people waiting to fight me constantly all the time. There was, there was always... <laughs> so, so very quickly, like, you learned, yeah. you had to learn how to go and defend yourself and how to like, you know, had to become, you had to sort of, if there was no financial incentive for me to be 11 stone and, and to do that, like, you know, for year, for about two years, I was consuming about a thousand calories a day for, for about two, three years when I was in the modeling industry. As soon as I, you know, broke into television and, and had work coming in through there, like stuff like presenting porn series and doing club nights and, you know, and going and, you know, and just turn, just getting paid to turn up to clubs and being paid to, write certain things on certain you know certain things about you know wearing this i wear this type of clothing or i like eating here or this club's great you know you get paid to sell that shit yeah but, you know, a lot of the stuff i was saying at the time wasn't genuine like a lot of the clothes i was wearing weren't picked out by me um but but you know once you get paid to start doing that you don't have to like starve yourself anymore so, and and also like you can go to the gym and and do these beauty do these kind of things so suddenly like you know, I now look, I started looking like a, a six foot one person that you don't want to fight. So, I mean, and that's, that's the thing. That's the difference between the person behind my keyboard and the person behind their keyboard. Yeah, we can all mouth off and we can take the piss out of people and, and whatever. But when you say certain things, I'll turn around and go, just just come say it then. Like, mm. I'll, I'm going to be here and I'm going to be there. So I'm, that's the interesting thing, like with this WWE Gareth and other accounts, like, I'll be in Wales and I'll clearly tell people this is where I am. If anybody has anything to say, they could say it, but they won't. Not, That's the one, thing. Yeah. Not, not one person, not one person that mouths off that I turn around and go, I'm going to be, I'll see you in Cardiff. Like they, they, they won't be there. And a lot of these accounts, they are English and they are going to be at the show. This um, WrestleMania and WWE Gareth, these, these accounts have a lot of shit to say to me. 
um, they're all going to be in Cardiff. Not one of them, not one of them will 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 meet up and and have and say those things to your face. Sean Ross Sapp isn't going to meet me up. He's going to be at Starcast where I'm going to be. He's not going to he's not going to meet me somewhere in Nashville and 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 discuss what our issues are. He's just not going to. They're just all they're just all keyboard warriors. Which which and that's the difference. I'm not. Everything I'll say. Everything I say, I will actually say it <coughs> to every single person. I, 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 I don't care. Like, I couldn't give a fuck. There's, no, there's nothing I wouldn't say to anybody that I've, that I've tweeted out there that I wouldn't say in person. I, I just don't give a fuck. I wouldn't. There's, not, there's, 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 no, there's nothing that, that, that bothers me to that, to, in, in that sense. Mate. See, that's, we, we probably raised a little differently. Yeah, like, you know, maybe over here, it's just a little bit different. You know, if you say something, you got to back it up, or you take your licks. Like that's just how we are. Like, you know, I, I mean, I work security. Like, it is a shit, it's shit. But you know, you got to be able to back yourself, and that's it. Like, game on. If it's you know, and they say you work, well, you work in club nights, and people offering you out. Where was your security for a start? That's the first thing running through my mind because that's no, I was working. I wasn't working in the club nights when, when this was going on because that was before I became the, um, you know, before I started promoting the nights. This was just where. I was booked in for appearances and whatnot. So yeah, there was, there was, um, you know, there's, there's security there, but at the same time, like I want to, on my perspective, I was there to do a job. I was there to like fulfill my appearance, but the, the 20, the, you know, the, the guy in my, in my mid twenties at the time or early twenties, even uh, wanted to go out and take advantage of the fact that I'm on, I'm on television. Suddenly there's a lot of girls that want to, that want to sleep with you. And I don't want to be behind this rope. I want to actually take a walk around. I want to like, I want to go and see, I want to go and talk to these girls that came and had a photo of me. Like, you know, I want to go and, you know, point them out and get them, invite them into my VIP area and all that. So for me, yeah. I was part of what that, you know, I was part of, in, in a way, I'm part of the, was part of the problem, but at the same time, it really shouldn't be a problem that I want to be part of the night, that I want to invite people into my section, that I, I'm there to work, but I want to I want to stay more than the hour that I'm booked for. It's beneficial to the club, in fact, if I choose to stay. But in, for, for me to want to stay longer than the hour, I would I then want to socialise with the women that I liked or that my friends, you know, I want to bring those girls up because I always did my appearances with a couple of mates or whatever. So once my work is done, then I want them people to come up. And obviously, in that sense, once I go, once I go walk about, there's you know, a security guard isn't gonna you know, a time, it's not his responsibility to know where I am 24-7, apart from if I want to go to the toilet or whatnot. So, so yeah, I mean, there was there was that part of it where I didn't just go there and do what I was paid to do, but at the same time, that, that shouldn't be happening. And also, there were nights out that I went out on which weren't my, um, weren't my books appearances um, because I, I never got, ironically, I never got books anywhere where I'd actually want to go out. So, like, when I wanted to go to Henley Regatta, which is, the, you know, like a thing that happens in my area, uh, Henley Regatta, when I wanted to go out in Windsor, which is where I lived at the time, you know, I didn't get any bookings in Windsor. Windsor doesn't book Big Brother people. Like, but we, Windsor's too above doing that. London London clubs don't book Big Brother people either. So, yeah, I might get a booking in, in Hull or Rotherham or Leeds or, or wherever. <laughs> yes, David. Yeah. They might they might be paying me to go there, but but Windsor and London are not paying me, so they they actually became the more dangerous sort of places to go. So right. 
yeah, I mean, for me, it was like a, it's essential to learn how to take care of yourself. But I mean, you know, twenty, you know, twenty-two year old me probably couldn't do that much, couldn't do that much damage. And I'm not even saying that that this version of me, you know, can. But I, I'm pretty sure that face to face with a keyboard warrior, I'd be fine. Yeah, I'm sure. Sure, you'd be just and also the same in saying that even through going through IPW wrestling and whatnot, even even to do that, like to I couldn't do that with my with my frame. Like as you know, my first appearance, I was very very skinny when I worked at Rockstar Spud, uh, because for me it was just it was just a one off that was done to help them out. But once they said, "Oh no, what would you? What would it cost for you to come in and stay or whatever?" And knowing that I already had loads of heat. For how much I was paid for the beginning stuff I did, and there was a lot of guys that didn't like me. And Martin Stone was a guy that was mainly behind a lot of that. But you know, for me to for me to just be there and be accepted or whatever, there had to be had to develop like an element of like toughness. I had to go and take bumps and volunteer myself to do certain things that I wasn't comfortable doing. But at the same time, doing them as a skinny eleven stone person, like with a six foot one frame, uh, was wasn't 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 healthy either. So you you do you you do things that like toughen you up as well. So I think if you can survive doing the British wrestling scene and putting yourself in there with a lot of guys that wanted to hurt you on purpose, which they did, um, then yeah, after that I don't I don't give a shit about anything now. After that, that's 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 the it's never going to get worse than that. It's never going to get worse than being in a ring where you're being paid more than the main event to be there, and everybody wants to hurt you. And then you still and you still turn up for work. Like it's never going to get worse than that, mate. Well, that's that's funny. Yeah, that's how. Ironically, that's how we met. You probably obviously don't remember meeting me because I was probably a bit skinnier, curly hair, you know, all that stuff. Trying to trying to look cool, whatever. Um, but it was it was an IPW show in Kent or somewhere around that way. All in Kent, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, they were all in Kent. Yeah, was, and you were doing commentary for the night except for the one part where you got into the ring cut. It was like a one line promo on the crowd and they hated you for it. It was uh, what do you call a pretty girl in Kent or something like that? And you said a tourist and that was it. You just set them off. You, you, you'd pissed off a whole crowd and, you, and then some giant guy green as fuck choke slammed. Yeah. Didn't look like it. Didn't look like it helped you in the slightest. Like, it did look like it yeah. hurt. Like either your selling's fantastic or whatever, but like it looked like it hurt. And and then afterwards, yeah, like because we were there as a part of a part of a seminar and all that sort of thing, we were there like helping out like the you know, crap at the end. We were shooting some hoops and it was the most random shit. Like and I have to shout Cactus and G Money out there, you know, in in our land for because they were there with me at that time. And yeah, you were, you know, nice guy and you know, no there's no, yeah. You know, yeah, like that, that's that. I mean, that that's the thing. Like, I mean, I'm not. I don't think it's not nice to just kind of say what you're what you're thinking, and that comes across as being this, that, or the other, just to say what you think. Like, I've always said whatever I wanted to say. Like, sometimes you'll like ham it up, and sometimes you'll make a joke out of things or whatever. But actually, like, you know, but one to one, you know, if you, people if people meet me, as long as you're not a certain way during Big Brother, it come a bit overwhelming because it's the same questions all the time and also you were edited to look a certain way which people thought you were so you had your back up and, and whatnot straight away but I mean I'm not I'm not like 
especially after this whole COVID thing, like I really like lost a lot of respect for for, for, for Joe Public. That just just generally by the by the way that 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 went. Like you heard people turning around and going, "Oh, I didn't get to. Oh, you know, the government had a party, but I didn't get to bury my my own granddad or whatever." Well, why? It's your fucking fault. Like you know, you you, you didn't have to to listen. There's no way that I would have been put in that situation. So we we learned really that a lot of people don't have a backbone. It's not a crime to have a backbone. It's not a crime to just say whatever you want to say. I understand that that can be a financial issue for certain people. People in certain jobs will get cancelled. People can lose lose jobs or whatever. But I, I just think we have a lot of people that are just afraid to, to say whatever they like. And actually, one-to-one, like, if there's a situation where it's just a social situation or whatever, There'll, there'll be there'll be nothing like that for me. Like I'm very very easy to like get on with or whatever. In fact, like sometimes like I don't really even say that much in in these in social circles. I mean, in this situation now, I'm working. This is an interview. I I know kind of you know what what people you, you, I kind of have to give what I don't want want me to say, but at the same time, like I have to sort of you know make it clear why 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 I'm here. Like what is this guy? What does what does he do? What what differentiates his content from every other guy that you guys are, are, are going to have on? Like, do, do you know what I mean? So it, it's clear that, like, you know, if I just if I just sat here and and answered and answered questions like that, wouldn't that wouldn't that wouldn't come across? But the, you know, this is the thing. This is what my this is what my content is. I don't say things that, that everybody else says. I'm not sap. I'm not melt. So you know, because if you get fucked, as soon as you turn around and say, "Oh, there's somebody who does." You know, there's somebody that does news as a wrestling journalist, or there's somebody that does wrestling news. Immediately, people will think, "Oh, he's going to be like this and or whatever." No, it's not. It's not the case at all. In fact, as I said earlier, for me, it's just a hook to get people to to listen to the other stuff that we talk about, or like like you said, with the star rating thing that that you brought up, or or whatever it is that we talk about. I, I like to think of myself as a representative for the opposing side of the the community, which is what I'm trying to be. And trying to create this alternative community, which is ridiculous because the alternative community is just what the community was, you know, 10, 10 15 years ago. Yeah. Like the, the, the community has now become this, this kind of super sensitive, super inclusive community. And that's the thing I don't mind about everybody being, you know, about everybody being inclusive because everybody can watch, but it's like we're shoving all in, in inclusiveness down people's throats. Like there's a lot of people that got pushes and title reigns in wrestling that didn't deserve it because we're doing this. The whole like thing with women's wrestling that is included in it because we're we're seeing far too much of that. We're seeing far too many people that don't worry the airtime that, that that they're getting. Like I don't think there's nothing wrong with a woman being a valet or, or doing or it being in a managerial role. I think that you can you can do. Look, Anna Jay isn't on AEW television. If two guys are fighting over who who you know who bangs Anna J, like for me, that's a good that's a good storyline and that's a good use of Anna J. We're just not doing that at the moment. Instead, we're trying to be super you know super inclusive, super woke, all that kind of shit. All that kind of shit. I'm not about that at all. Like that there's there, there's a type of wrestling that I want to see, and at the moment, I'm not really getting it anywhere. So I think that that's the kind of voice I, I want to be in the community. But you know, talking about the rest of the thing, like those promos and that were completely ad libbed. Like I, I said whatever I wanted to say from the from the minute from the very first day that I picked up the mic, 
that was that I was head and shoulders above the other people in British wrestling. And that for me, the problem with British wrestling is the problem that AEW have now, and the problem that just is is, is is there throughout wrestling. All the guys there, you know, your, your spuds, not so much spud actually. This I don't take that one out. Um, your Zach Shavers Juniors and 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 the guys that were there, everybody. All, all the way back in 2007, 2008, were already focused on trying to have like the best match all the time or whatever. But the fact is that I could go out there and get a bigger crowd response by not doing anything at all, by, by like, you know, by, by powdering and just doing bullshit out there. Like more people were, more people hated me than any of the other heels. And obviously there's that sense that if you go to a British show, you're that indie wrestling fan and I'm not entitled to be there. Yeah, of course I'm not arrogant i'm not you know i'm not that arrogant where i don't think there's an element of that where i think there's genuine hate where there's people that just straight away are going to go oh you shouldn't be here we just don't want to see you i i know that i know that there's people there but you can just play off that you can you can get even more hate than you already had by telling them that by telling them that you don't want to be there by telling them that you're, you're there for the money by telling like Martin, i mean martin stone got really offended by the fact that i was cutting it in promo for weeks that i was i was getting more money than him when he was the champion. So I may as well have the belt anyway. And all this kind of <laughs> shit. The guys who really get like offended by that shit that I'm just doing to try and get heat. And it's so weird because they're the wrestlers and I'm the outsider. They and should know it's a work. They should know it's a fucking work. Exactly. And that's the thing, like from, from the minute it was like, I had a better understanding in the business. And obviously I heard from a few of my friends like L LT Summers, Andy Boy Simmons, and it was a case of, Oh, you know, it's about you know. It's, uh, you, I, I'm, I'm totally good. I'm totally fine with um, the things that you're saying, but you know, some guys have a problem with it. Fuck them. He goes, but you know, the other things you've got to do is you've got to come in and shake everybody's hand and ask how they're doing and all that. It's fine. It's like I'll do it. It seems really stupid and and, and unnecessary, but I'll yeah. do it if it's, if it's tradition. But it's also you telling me to do this six months after I've been here. Like six months after me realizing that I've got heat, six months after realizing that there's heat on me because um, Dan Edler's booked me in a hotel, and the other five guys and you know the other five the other guys are sharing. There's five guys in a hotel room, or somebody actually lives in Portsmouth, and eight people are going to the house and, yeah. and whatever. Or, or this girl, or this girl who's on the show has to sleep with you know in the same houses eight guys or whatever, you know, and all these, you know, weird controversies that have come around now with Marty's girl and, and all that. And I can see how they happen because, you know, you have women, you put women in these situations because the finances are not there because the finances are not there, but I'm using up a certain percentage of the finances because a, I've already negotiated my pay and B they've already put me in a hotel because I've got heat and I've got heat. And and they, they feel that they need to put me up in a hotel. So all of this kind of shit that you have to that you have to deal with. But at the end of the day, like when it came down to doing the show, like my job's there to to cut a promo. And sometimes when I was working a match, which I didn't do for long, it was very much a case of me trying to distract a referee and my hated hero guys coming in and beating up people or whatever. Again, that's not how I wanted to do things. I offered to to do wrestling training. Um, when I did do training, like, you know, I took to it, it was all going fine and whatever. And I dare say, like, if I knew with, with the way I was cutting promos at the time, if I knew that at six foot one and 11 stone, 
or you know i'm now i'm now like 13 and a half but you know if i knew that this size would be above average in wrestling at the moment if i knew someone like adam cole was going to do it right maybe i would have liked taking it a lot more seriously maybe i would have just been there and said i'm not just there to help you and, and the other thing was is even though i was getting to i'll tell you, i can tell you now i was getting 250 pounds for an appearance right which is um double what the main event was getting yeah there'll be guys on the show getting 30 40 quid yeah. you know what i mean yeah even though I was getting 250, 250 was um, a quarter of my lowest appearance fee. So I would do student nights, like a pop-in on a student night. If I sat there and did uh, a thing where I played, where I took the mic and played game. So, they were, so if they booked me with a, so you booked me with a girl, uh, a girl on appearance, and it'd be girls versus boys. And we play a game in a nightclub where, I would get, I would ask a girl, I would ask the boys team where go and get me a pair of girls underwear. Uh, you've got, you've got to go out there and snog a girl. So that'd be me versus her. And she'd have the girls and I'd have the boys and I'd have the boys and they first one to go and snog a girl. Her one would be first one to go and snog a boy. First one to go and get an item of underwear. First one to go and steal a pint, bring it on the stage and down it. So we do this game girls. I swear you did that at my uni. I went to University of Hertfordshire. I swear you must have done that. Yeah, probably did. Like, uh, and that's the thing. Like, if if I was proper working, that would be a fifteen hundred pound appearance. If I was just popping in and just, you know, just um, being like just appearing at the club, I'd get a grand for that. To get a shit kicked out of me on an IPW show is getting two hundred and fifty quid in a hotel. (laughs) <laughs> so these guys thought they was getting stitched up. I was the one that turned around and said, whatever it takes to, to help you. Like, yeah. I've already put you on Channel 4 in front of seven and a half million people. Like, I put British Wrestling on there. Yeah. These guys, you'd think they'd have the business sense to think that, oh, this might be helping us. Like, you know, him versus Spud on, on Channel 4, IPW being mentioned, it might be helping all of us. No, that was the problem with, with British Wrestling. Like, they just didn't, understand there was no big picture there at all there were marks for themselves they're marks for themselves basically they took it too seriously and that's yeah and, and that's the other thing like they would and it was weird because when nick all this coming from from gladiators he didn't get the same treatment at all gladiators was nowhere near as watched as big brother and obviously just just because he'd done the wrestling training and just because um he'd gone from wrestling to gladiators rather than from gladiators to wrestling there was a whole different way that that, that he was that he was treated and and you know nick nick didn't like going there and shake every do the whole shake everyone's hand thing and stay in a little room with them all and he'd have his own hotel and stuff me and nick would have the same stuff but yeah it was very much a, there was very much like a snobbery like towards it but I mean, I could talk a lot more about it. Man, we'll we'll do we'll do a one P dub because, like I say, we were watching it around that time. We, you know, what I mean, we're obviously in the UK. We went to a load of shows, um, you know. So we we will, if we can, grab you at another time. There's just one more question I wanted to ask you. Right, I know you're going to Nashville for this Star Starcast thing. Yeah, um, I actually reckon that um, I don't know if they've announced uh, Ric Flair's actual opponent yet. Um, but I reckon it's going to be Jay Lethal because um, all the controversy with, oh, he's not got a spot on the show, and Rick mentioned it a couple of times um, on the actual hour-long thing that had Jeff Jarrett on there and all that kind of thing. He actually said, oh, Jay's a bit pissed off with me like at the minute. So um, that's my prediction. So I just well, wanted they, to... They've been, they've been, like, training together anyway. So yes. they, yeah. they would have the... Ma- I, 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 
I thought that anyway. I thought if it wasn't him, he would be involved in a tag match of, of some sort anyway. So, yeah, I mean, Jay Lethal will be involved because most of the stuff that Flair's been doing has been with him anyway. So it makes sense. There's no, they're not going to leave anything to chance here. I know Rick Flair's very much like a call it in the ring guy. Um, I, I mean, you, you know the story. Like, you're, sure. you're guys, you know, Flair calls it in the ring and Savage, Randy Savage did the notepad thing. And yeah. You know, and they're, they're, they're always seen as the two um, complete uh, opposites in, in yeah. wrestling in terms of how you do it. And Ricky and Ricky Steamboat was seen as the guy who could do both, who's had great matches with both of them. So when Flair and Savage meshed, it was very much a case of Flair's completely opposite and Savage was the one who wrote down every bullet point. You know, if you hear the story about a WrestleMania free match with Steamboat, it's like a... You know, 56, like Steamboat says, he gave me 56. He had 56 points yeah. to, 12, to go 12 minutes. So, yeah, I um, I think despite the fact that it's, con- it's, con- it's contradictory to Flair's style, I just don't think he's going to call this one in the ring. Not no. not, not entirely. I just don't think you can. There's, so, there's too many criticisms of it happening, and he needs to make them, he needs to make people look wrong for doing it. Well, we, we, we want to thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we hope you have a fucking great time in Nashville. Um, and, you know, we just want to thank you as well for just... Be, it's nice to hear an English voice talking <laughs> about wrestling with American guys when you're on there with Disco and you're on there with Conan and when you're just doing your thing with Cav. Um, it's just nice just to hear an English voice um, Talking fucking sense. So thank you, man, for, yeah, for that. That's, the problem. that's a lot of the English guys I hear. They use them on their, their post-wrestling podcast and very much portrayed as like these wrestling geeks. And as I said, like, I don't have an issue with the geek side of thing where, you know, you can be geek, geek you can perceive as being into DC or Marvel or collecting action figures or, or even collecting any kind of memorabilia. That's fine. Yeah. But, like, you know, the, we're, we're really perceived as like, geeks and weaklings and losers and just you know just like oh who can't fucking who can't beat up a british guy or do you know what i mean like yeah 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 look we're, we're looked at like really like as the as the bottom of the barrel in terms of, of status and some of the people out there representing us are, are not doing us any favors so wow. yeah Jesus Christ. I, I don't you're really right man you're right yeah. But um, yeah, again, thanks a lot, man. Like I say, we if we we know you're a busy guy, you've got fucking so much stuff going on. But we would love to grab you on here um, another time to talk about loads of other shit. So um, it's been a fucking pleasure, dude. Yeah, I go away for a long time on the 24th of July. I'm away for nearly a month because I'm going to MSG for Raw. Uh, then I'm going to um, SummerSlam and Starcast. And then after that, I start a proper holiday in Orlando. So I've got all the wrestling stuff to do. Sweet. And then after that, I have um, I have three weeks in Orlando. So if you can catch me before the 24th of July, we can talk about what SummerSlam looks like if you want. Oh, That'd be incredible, perfect, mate. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Billy, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time. We are thrilled that you decided to join us with this. My man, take care and we will catch you soon. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. Take care. Cheers. All right. So that was Billy. Um, thank you so much to Billy for coming on. That was uh, that was something, wasn't it? It. I mean, it's exactly what what we thought it would be. Just Billy. He's like us in very many many ways, and I think that is partly because we're English as well. 
we've got that kind of no nonsense. I mean, not everyone English who's like that, but I think from where where we are age wise as well, where we live, um, you know, colloquially, I think we're very similar in the way that we look at stuff and we just it is what it is. We tell it how it is. We're not really bothered if you take it one way or the other. And that's why it was great to have Billy on because he just, he, he doesn't mince his words. He just says it how it is. And if people don't like it, it's like, oh, well, fuck it. I don't care. Yeah. Um, as we thank Billy, we should remind everyone that you can catch his, uh, his betting, his, his betting site is lockbetting.com. You can see, you know, all of his, tips and stuff i think it's for a price it is uh yeah i mean he, he, i think yeah, he did he did mention it he said that they're they're on a winning streak basically they haven't lost money for x amount of years now where you know if you subscribe to him if you're a member of his patreon you get the tips and stuff um they literally haven't lost money for years so you want to get on there it's lockbetting.com you can also we'll leave the link in the description yeah of course um you know, so you can catch him on Wrestling Informer. You can catch him on Keeping It One Hundred with Conan and Disco Inferno. It's it's fucking crazy because you know Billy was on. I remember watching him on Big Brother. I remember seeing him. He, he came to my uni. I'm almost certain, and I was a mature student, so I wasn't one of these eighteen, nineteen year olds when I was at, at university. I was 35. like. Yeah, no, I was I was old, you know. I, I, you know, so it's weird because you know we and also at one PW you met Billy there and played at shooting some hoops with him. IPW, not one PW. IPW, yeah. sorry, IPW. Um, oh yeah, because he was talking about Dan, wasn't he? And he was talking. Yeah. He was. He did mention that name, and that is uh, yeah. Another controversy, and he did it is another controversy. It he said, yes. "You know, and some shit went down, and he knows how that could possibly happen with the way that it was all set up." Um, you it's, know, it was but, a weird, it was a very quick uh, insight into how that that was run, and as to how possibly some of those things could have occurred. Yeah, which isn't cool. No, but it, yeah. Um, we can't thank Billy enough for coming on because you know, we are who we are and we are, we're just a couple of J bros doing our thing. Um, and now to the, uh, now to the important bit, because we have a, we have a big thank you. We have crossed a line. We like have crossed TNA, the line. Like it's they not, did in TNA. Yeah. Well, it's not one of Tony Khan's lines that we've no. crossed. Um, it is yet yeah, not TNA crossed the line. It is we have hit that magical number of 1,000 subscribers on YouTube, and we want to thank every single one of you fuckers for hitting the bell, slapping the bell. Oh, we yes. told you to do it, and you fucking did it. You came through, god damn it, and you you we you done us proud. We so, cannot be more thankful. We did break a thousand. Holy shit! Yeah, we were, we were buzzing when we saw that, and long may it continue. Let's push on. Let's keep going. Let's get the. Let's get more. We're gonna keep pushing. You know, we've got we've got got more content for you. Once you've got the first inch in, you can just keep pushing, pushing, pushing. You know what I mean? That's just that getting the first, getting the tip in. You're all right. So we've got the tip in. We're at one thousand, and also, dude, we are gonna have to um, honor. Our, oh, of course. our word we and we are going to be yeah good word 
We're going to be creating a chat, grapple, and cheat pops podcast gift pack. Goodie bag. We've got, <laughs> we've got buttons. Yeah, we've got fucking. You know, I've got. We've got shit here that we can. You know, we've got wrestling cards. We've got packs of. You know, mate. I'll tell you what. Look. All right, we've got there's stuff just everywhere. There's a bit DVDs, and, yeah, like DVDs, bits and bobs. You know, you are gonna be someone is gonna be the recipient of some bits and bobs. A chat so, goodie bag. And we are extremely excited. We are very happy. So happy. Um, and fuck, we I mean, geez, we've just had Billy Barty on, mate, who is just left us now we've, to go and do a podcast with Conan and we've barely, uh, we've barely had time to gather our thoughts after having Glacier on. Yeah. And here we are with Billy and yeah, it's uh we move again. We will endeavor to get something out again soon. Well, I mean, hopefully we can get Billy back on um, before he goes away on his, uh, on yeah. his holidays. Um, and before he goes to Nashville and, I, you know, as soon as I say, I reckon Jay Lethal is going to be Ric Flair's partner. I think it's pretty obvious because they've been training together and it's like a tag team that's working together and then they create the split and then they have the match. Yes. Classic booking. It is. It almost is classic booking. It's classic booking, bro. Yeah, you know I mean, so I went a bit high then. I went all Tony Khan. No, nights from tonight. Yeah, you, know you start I mean? stomping all... your feet and shouting at me. Yeah, yeah, mate. I went all weird, bro. But if you have seen our Instagram, uh, you will have seen that Chris was a recipient of one of Tony's special hugs. Um, as was he touched our boy. me in my special place, and <laughs> I didn't was, like it. As was our boy Cactus. They were all getting the the special hugs from Tony. Uh, the parsnips were buttered fully, I believe. After <laughs> they forbidden, were... <laughs> after you, they were in your forbidden door, mate. After I put my parsnip in his forbidden door, it was it was it was powdered, not not buttered, as with Tony. Oh, he loves boy. his powder. But it's, uh, you know, it, we, we love what we do. We, we, we love just being honest about shit. And we are not one of these. I mean, we're going to try and meet Billy in Wales in September. Um, we'll try and meet him up on the Friday night for a, a few bevies, um, you know, for, for, for a ginger beer. Um Oh yeah, we can try and we you can know, try and hook something up for sure. Uh, you know, we're not one of these people that do this to get clout or to get recognition or to be in those circle jerks. Um, you know, to just put certain people over or whatever. You know, we have had on this show, and this is like it, it, it's a thought provoking moment because. You talk about as well. I mean, obviously, me and Jordan are boys, and we chat fucking dip on messenger and all that. And uh, you know, when we're chatting and stuff, you know, it it's it's really nice to know that our channel that we've built here is organically grown, bro. These parsnips are organically buttered. You know what I mean? We have not. You know, we haven't fucking bought views or bought subscribers or tried to, you know, do anything to kind of artificially bulk up anything. And, you know, we have never, despite what people might fucking say, we have yes, never, we've yeah, never paid yeah. for one guest on this show. Not once, 
not from the first interview, Santino Morella, you know, down to to Billy, um, you know, uh, not not one single interview has have they ever asked us for a penny, and we were extremely grateful for that. So yeah, we've not we've not bought this channel. It has been paid for with our blood, sweat, tears, and a little bit of jizz. Um, and just a little smidgen of spunk. Just a drop. Um, and it has also been built by the viewers and the subscribers. So, again, we are going to be putting a little package together um, and we're going to be sending it to one lucky subscriber. Just as a little thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. So with that, we say keep watching, keep subscribing, keep liking, keep commenting, especially. But we're not going quite yet, Jordan, no. because we've got to give thanks and props to one more group of individuals, and that is Surfshark. Oh, yes, of course. We can't forget the old, you know, Surfshark, Surfshark boy. You know, that's the fishing line. Because Surfshark said so. We're gonna so, try and we're gonna hook them in. We're gonna hook them in. We're reeling them in, bro. So Surfshark uh VPN service, wherever you are in the world, you can be wherever you want to be. Um, you can have it on any device, and it gives you online security from your uh internet service provider. No one needs to know what you're doing, what you're watching. You know, if you're streaming certain things that you should or let me just rephrase that if you would like to watch things but you don't really want to pay money to watch something you there are certain sites you can go to and you are protected with Surfshark. Yes. you can watch with antivirus countries. as well you antivirus you get it on all of your devices and a special deal if you go into the description and you click the link, you go to surfshark.com forward slash chat grapple or whatever the bloody link is, use our promo code grapple. But the link's in the description. You don't, no one remembers fucking, oh, I'm going to type in, blah, 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 blah. No, click yeah. the link, mate. It's click called the, the hyperlink. It's click. 2022, bitches. Click the ting. Click the ting, mate. So touch the link, use our promo code grapple, and you will get, what is it? three free months and you get 83% off, bro. That's right. Come on. Yeah, too easy. You're a dickhead <laughs> if you don't do it, yeah? So we, we want to give something back. Like we say, we ain't got no Patreon. We ain't got no paywall. We don't want your money. We want YouTube's money. But also we get a little bit of a helping hand from Surfshark. So we're going to give that back to you. We want to literally share the love. So you help us, we help you, everybody's happy, and everyone can be smiling. Couldn't have put it better myself. So with that, we say thank you. Keep clicking, keep enjoying, keep watching, keep chatting to us, because we get back to you. We really do. We want to oh, try yeah. and get back to everyone. Thank you so much. I'm JB. With me, the best Chris in all the wrestling podcast, Mr. Chris Dredd. Bang, bang. We say take care, and we will see you soon.